Hey everyone, I'm Chris Brown. I hope you'll join Jennifer Kite Powell and myself for a great conversation on her podcast. I've been lucky enough to spend my career helping startups and founders build and grow from Startup Wise Guys to 500 Startups to NVIDIA. Uh, I met Jennifer a few years ago through my European startup life. And this episode, we discuss a little bit of politics and culture, the current state of AI and its crazy growth in the past few years, and my journey from the Pacific Northwest all the way to Estonia and a bunch of places in between. You are listening to Tiny Little Victories, and I'm your host, Jennifer Kite Powell. I'm so glad you're back with us today. We are going to be talking to Chris Brown, who is at NVIDIA in New York City. But I knew Chris from many years ago when he was in Tallinn, Estonia, and he worked for Startup Wise Guys. He was actually the consigliere. Yes, the whole branding is around Wise Guys. Really brilliant. But Chris has a very long and tenured experience in the innovation and startup world. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that today. We're gonna to talk about AI, where that's going. We seem to talk about that a lot. Um, we're also gonna talk about foundational technology, which I think is really important. We tend to get sort of tripped up and hooked on these, you know, very sexy pieces of technology that everybody sort of runs around and makes all these little hype bubbles. But Chris is really talking about foundational pieces of technology that drive us forward in terms of how we live, how we work, how we drive our cars. And he's also going to talk about uh, crypto and why he thinks it's the biggest grift ever. So he's got a very wonderful voice. So you have definitely you're going to stay connected that way. But he's just a delightful person who has a lot to share about his experiences. He even lived in the Ukraine during COVID-19. So stick with us and listen to this next podcast with Chris Brown. entertaining and two you have such interesting stories so we're gonna pull those out of you in this casual catch-up i don't even have a drink it's friday afternoon but i just want to ask the listeners i mean my god does this man have a voice or what like have you done voiceover before or like commercials <laughs> because oh uh, my god no although the, the closest i ever got to that was a uh, a startup that i was working with years ago who um they needed a uh, like a, a, a voice Somebody to, to read lines for like some of their um, like marketing oh, stuff, and yeah. they, they looped me in. They did because yes. this would be like what was it? Was it like selling I don't know like sex toys or something? Like what was it? <laughs> um, I think that they were. Uh, gosh, I barely remember. There was like weird Hungarian company. They <laughs> they were um, they were doing like uh, a a platform for. Um, salons and things like that like oh the, okay the many many platforms of like oh you're a salon you know, yeah business. oh it's a platform have... it's the platform era yeah you should have a tool to manage all of your bookings and things yeah. like that so it, it, well uh, i i think you might want to like 
capture all those and put them in like a show reel or something because <laughs> I think you could really you know make a side gig hustle uh, on this one. Uh, as a as a side note, my very very first job uh, back when I was gosh nineteen, I want to say eighteen, nineteen, something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, uh, I was working in a. It was just a call center, but it was a little more grandiose than that for like a, yeah. uh, this company that does like network control. But it was connected to banks and credit unions and things of that nature. And there was yeah. this, uh, you would start to build these sort of relationships with people because it was all over the phone, like working with like the telcos and things like that. Um, like, oh, the, the ATM oh, is yeah. down, like is the, the communications line bad. Yeah. Um, and there was this this woman, and I think that, AT, one of AT&T's big centers for this network control stuff was based out of uh, St. Louis. Oh, uh, God. And, and I will never forget being, uh, you know, a an, an innocent young kid. Oh, and, yeah. And <laughs> talking to her at one point. And then, like, you know, it had been however many months that I'd been on the job. And, and she just uh, – there was one time that I called, and uh, she, she said in, in like, a, a very specific tone – Honey, has anyone ever told you you have the sexiest voice? <laughs> and I was, uh, I was terrified. Yeah, as, uh, of course. A, That's a like young kid. I was not, like, oh my god, yeah. I don't know what to say to a lady. I to a lady because you're like yeah. a nineteen. Nobody's going. Nineteen year olds are like, girls are going. Oh man, you're so sexy. It's not even a word you use until yeah. you're <laughs> later in life, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that is so funny. But she was on to something, this lady. Like she was <laughs> on to something. So you ignored it for many years, and now here we are again. So your this is your like your second reminder. Very sexy voice. <laughs> so you should take I, it. Put I, it zero control over it. But uh, I know, right? Zero control over it. It's great. Well, um, you know, you you have to anybody that's listening out here, and we do have. Gosh, I just have to say thank you to all the listeners because we do have this really loyal base of listeners and it's kind of fun to watch it grow you know and we have listeners in Hungary and we yeah I know and we have um listeners in Czech Republic I think I know who the people are in Hungary but I'm really hoping now maybe we'll get some Estonian listeners since you guys Chris has an amazing story spent a lot of time over there the first I'm going to set the stage for everybody correct me when I'm wrong and then we're going to go through this journey but your first job one of your first jobs in addition to this very sexy call center job you had um, was you a journalist? I saw uh, that you were a journalist. Oh, God. Um, yeah, that, that <laughs> you, takes it, it a long, long way back. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, let's go back because I love the fact you were, you were a journalist for a newspaper or I can't remember what exactly, but in, for Estonia, in Estonia, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. um, uh, I moved to Estonia when I was, Yeah, this is what I'm trying to get my hands around because if you look at your life, Chris, it's like Portland, Oregon, Portland, Oregon, Estonia. Like those things are kind of don't go together. Yeah, no, it's a it's a well trodden (laughs) path that everybody knows the Portland to Estonia connection. Um, No, I I grew up (laughs) all over the West Coast. Um, Okay. uh, I was you know Bay Area is where my entire family is from, and I was the only one who was actually born in Oregon. Uh, We moved up and down, and then we lived in like. Spokane up in Washington yeah. oh for, my. for a year. That's uh, serious. Well, that's serious like rainy West Coast. Yeah, I know. And that's 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 why I think it, it works for me whenever I, yeah. I go back and I'm like, oh, the rain, it feels right. Um, yeah, your skin is all moist and dewy. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the I, I started like, you know, a, a couple of businesses when I was a very young kid. 
1921, something like that. Uh, one was in retail, which uh, <laughs> is a great way to um, definitely not make any money. Yeah. Uh, and the other was in like a sort of evolved out of that was like an events management and consulting business for uh, mm -hmm. the super cool industry of trading card games. Wow. Uh, yeah. So for everybody who has ever played like Magic or Pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or any of those, um, you know, we. Which is like everybody. Yeah, I mean, I guess at this point, you know, a lot of those people are now adults. Um, yeah, still playing it, though. It's not like a massive business industry because only, like, 10 people are playing it. Yeah, no, it's kind of bananas how I was just looking at some data the last week, week before, that uh, Magic has somehow had its, its largest uh, year of sales in its history. And I, oh my I God. remember back in the 90s and then early 2000s, I was sort of like, every single year, I'm assuming, okay, this is the peak. And this is it for them, the right. Because, like... <laughs> There's no way that this product can continue to to have the the sort of longevity that it has. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot of what we were doing was helping uh, develop and drive their marketing systems and their organized play systems. And so that was something yeah. that, um, you know, that was something that, that basically, um, you know, we, we helped sort of develop, um, you know, with them and, you know, help manage some of the, the data and things like that. And yeah. I... I'd been doing that for about four years and I got to this point where, um, you know, I realized that uh, there was kind of an upper limit of what this could be. Um, <laughs> so I, I wanted to, to sort of change my life around and, yeah. and see some I'd... other stuff. And, and I, I had gone traveling as I'd done before and, and wandered into Estonia and I was like, this oh, seems like that. a really interesting place. It uh, is so interesting. Yeah. It's like a little, it's like, before we jump to Estonia, I just want to say like when you were working at this as events for this trading card game, as this events manager, did you think they would be around magic would be around 30 plus years? Just I did question. not. I, okay. No, no <laughs> way at all. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you you had a little wanderlust. You did that for about four years, and then you hit the road. And I take it you were just traveling around Europe, and then you stumbled into the magical country that is Estonia and Tallinn. Like it is kind of magical there. It's almost like a movie yeah. set, Tallinn. Yeah. I think. It's yeah. A, it's a really <laughs> unique place. Uh, yeah. It's, you know, one of the reasons I was drawn to it was the it operates at the convergence of of a few different cultures. Mm -hmm. um, you know. The, Scandinavian culture and Slavic culture and Germanic culture and, and its own sort of unique Baltic culture and um, you know it had always been uh, dominated or, or under the control of uh, some random great power uh, over the years <laughs> um, you know and, and I think that, that that sense of like having an identity but also being uh, part of something else part of something is has, has been a, a valuable thing in the sense I that yeah, forced Estonia to, to kind of always be focused on like, well, who are we? Yeah. Not, just, not just as part of this, this yeah. larger entity. That's a really good point because you, you know, you often hear and read and see, obviously, through history, the acquisition of cultures or multicultures living together, especially during the Ottoman Empire, before the Ottoman Empire. And I didn't know that Estonia had a Scandi influence in it. That, see what we learn on Tiny Little Victories? We learn <laughs> something new. And I, I mean, I think it is magical. And I think if we want to flash forward to, on some of the things that you talked about, this convergence word that you used, because they really probably did look in a mirror and say, hey, who are we, right? Yeah. Like, are we part of, you know, Eastern Europe? Are we a Baltic country? Do we have these mm -hmm. ties to Scandinavia? Are we these, you know, part of this regime? Mm -hmm. And I, do you feel like it really forced them to create 
what the identity that we sort of see today, which I think is more a nurturer incubator type place for, you know, technology and technology startups, which is really where you sort of migrated to. Yeah. Is that because think, of Estonia? Well, I, I think um, that was a really foundational piece uh, mm -hmm. for everything that I did afterwards. But I, I think culturally you could look at it and say it, it, um, it drove a very self-sufficient culture and mm. that, that requires people to be creative and requires people to build for themselves. If you think about this idea that, all right, this faraway power is kind of in charge of things and they're not <laughs> going to look at this place as something that we're going to, to focus our development on, mm. it means that you have to build it yourself. Uh, mm -hmm. And especially for a very small place, I think that yeah. that is a... You know, can operate as a bit of a sort of um, catalyst for. Yeah, that's for a good point. Building. I like the self-sufficient culture because I think yeah. that's kind of what you feel when you're there, and it's so different than Malta, right? Because they sort of not the same way, but to me, they're sort of again in that crossroads. You know, that historical mm -hmm. people passing through to fight. Mm -hmm. You know, back and forth, and but they really centered on e-gaming. They really mm -hmm. got into a very different. Um, path for themselves yeah. whereas whereas i think estonia feels i don't know a little more mature to me and a little more aware of its journey like i don't know if we am i feeling very like yeah. self self-aware today maybe that's why yeah. but you were you were able to start some really interesting things there you you started startup you were part of startup wise guys that was mind-boggling at the time for me yeah. i think that was when you really started seeing people like, hey, what's the Startup Wise Guys stuff in Estonia? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that um, Startup Wise Guys is, uh, was obviously super influential in my the starting point of my career, at least mm -hmm. the, the uh, tech starting point of my career. Okay. Um, yeah. I uh, So I'd been, when I moved there, I, I actually um, finished my undergrad there. Um, oh. You know, I, I said, I'd been wandering around and, and I got there <laughs> and I, 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 Honestly, I Googled English Language University Estonia and then <laughs> walked out to the university the oh, next day, okay. picked up an application, and then six months later, I was living there. But they're uh, so, they make that easy, though, don't they, there? Yeah, no, it was a very straightforward process, um, you know, and, and I think that coming from outside made it even easier in, in some mm. ways. Um, but the, the, what that led to is like just all the relationships and friendships that I developed just being in a society uh, mm. meant that I had met uh, a friend of mine there, Mike, who he had moved there to uh, be with his partner. And as part of that, you know, <laughs> one of the things he was thinking about was like, hey, I, you know, he'd come from IBM originally and, and had recognized back then this whole like accelerator idea. Uh, and I had started talking to him right as they were just like getting off the ground for their very first batch. Oh. Uh, and... He knew that I was unhappy with the, the work that I was doing, um, you know, and and that I wanted to do something more impactful. Uh, and then, you know, right as the first batch ended, uh, his his program manager left and, and was hired away by Microsoft, if I remember right. Mm. And then he called me up and was like, hey, you know, I need somebody to help me run this thing. Uh, you've started businesses before. you Wow. have a, a reasonable like head on your shoulders and like a lot of lessons learned in building any type of business, whether it's a tech startup or, or you know, a small business are applicable here. In yeah. Terms of, yeah. Of those starting points. And so um, I kind of jumped on that and was was sort of head first and it was phenomenal. 
Um, yeah, I mean, that was when I think we first met was like in 2012, 2013. So. And you, yeah, and you were considered the consigliere for Startup Wise Guys, <laughs> which I think is a great title if you're going to have yeah. like a wise guys in your title. And I remember going there and meeting you and being so impressed by the structure and the clarity of basically the vision that this group had for turning ideas into like world-changing technology. Like I really often thought that that I wanted to go back to London. I was obviously living in France then. I go back and go, hey, you guys need to pay attention. Like this is how it's done. Yeah. And I think that was such a really beautiful um, program that you helped to nurture and you know bring bring into focus for the rest of Europe really. Yeah, and I mean it's really but, amazing to see how it's it's evolved and grown since yeah since the time that I was there. And I, yeah. I think it speaks volumes about the necessity of programs like that and, and ecosystems yeah. communities like that. So yeah. And I, I feel like it grew so well in Estonia. I mean I think I I'm no offense to Hungary but or Czech Republic, but <laughs> I mean a little because you know so many amazing people there, but I just a little struggling there in that tech world. Whereas I think, you know, Budapest really has a film industry, a growing film industry there with all the studios. Mm -hmm. And I, I just really felt like Estonia really put their money where their mouth was when, when yeah. it came to this tech and this didn't, weren't they the country that did like the global citizen, like yeah. you could so become the, um, um, e-resident program yes. you know, was, was really all about this idea that, yeah. Hey, you can, you can be part of this ecosystem from a, a regulatory perspective, a taxation perspective yeah. and a registration perspective. Um, without having to physically be there and get a foothold in a, in yeah. a market, like all those things that... that I love that. I love that because that's really what yeah. we want to do. And everything's just based around taxes, movement. You know, you can't go here, you can't go there for taxes. Yeah. Is there, I mean, that was like in 2012, but did you feel that when you were there and you'd come out of university and Mike came to you for Startup Wise Guys that you felt like there was a big, you know, American like expat culture there? I mean, you said he was wandering around over there. I mean... Why were people like tripping over themselves to get into Estonia in the I 2010? Never, I never really like, I never felt like there was a huge community, but okay. I was different in that I didn't have, I didn't hang out with the expat communities that were there. I knew some, it was like, for example, some professors who were there um, yeah. who were awesome. And like, but I only knew them through that, that process and experience. Um, you know, I I know that there were places like a specific bar that I know a lot of like expats hung out at, uh, but mm. but it wasn't something that I I went out of my way to be engaged in, and so yeah, um, uh, yeah, I, I know that there were some, but it, it was more of a at least in if I think about university, right? It was very much all across Europe that people were were coming there for, but you know, with Erasmus, like that's always yeah, be the oh case. yeah, to totally yeah. yeah. So I, I don't think it was. Um, I don't think there was any uniquely high level of draw, but I would be interested to you know, be back now and sort of see how now that yeah. it's, it's recognized on a more global scale, what that has done to the, um, the yeah. makeup and demographics of the ecosystem when it comes to. It really, like it really would be because you think when they had that, you know, that, you know, EU residential part of that, and then all yeah. the things that have happened there. So you, I mean, like I said, I am obviously very fascinated by you and your and your background because you just seem to literally be that perfect global business citizen, right? Like all the other things you've done where you've, you know, fight, you, you were the manager at 500 Startups. You actually did do work with IBM in New York, but yet you were still working in Eastern Europe. And then and then I, you have to tell everybody this story because it's fascinating, but you were in 
Eastern Europe. You were in Kiev, I think, when COVID came. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. You yeah, got to tell was, the story. <laughs> well, it, it was um, a a weird uh, a weird sort of time. So I was in Moscow helping build the the accelerator there for them in. Uh, in, in oh Russia. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, you know that had been in partnership with a big bank there, uh, five hundred who wanted to build a presence. Uh, which obviously is no longer the case. Uh, <laughs> I was going to put a pin in that and come back around, but you did it so. already. Right, right, um, right. Yeah, and and then, you know, I had gone down to Ukraine because uh, a friend of mine who helped drive a lot of stuff at 500, uh, he, he was working with a VC there who was going to be focused on uh, gaming and esports and things like that. And they, they wanted somebody who could help kickstart their U.S. presence. Uh, they were going to mm-hmm. be like a hybrid VC and accelerator. And mm-hmm. they made me the offer uh, to, to join them back in November. Yeah, November of 20, what's that? Gosh, 2019, Every, I believe. Everybody's, everybody's blurry yeah. now. Yeah, it's like, wait, what was that? Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, it kind of got delayed and delayed. Yeah. And they were, they were kind of dragging their feet. Uh, and they're like, yeah, we want to start around the first of the year. We just got to seal up some deals. And... And then, uh, you know, it kept getting delayed. And finally, in February, I went in, we finalized the numbers, and it was all good to go. Uh, <laughs> and then COVID <laughs> you hit. You see this coming, right? <laughs> yeah, and then COVID hit. And, and they weren't like, hey, it's all, like, we're we're in crisis mode. We got we to gotta figure out yeah. what's going on here. They, I just literally never heard from them again. <laughs> um, so they just disappeared. Yeah. No, and even after I reached out to them, and, like, they're just. Yeah. Radio silence. Uh, oh my so god! That, yeah, it was a surreal experience. So, uh, so, so you're then, stuck in you're in Kiev. Yeah. COVID's here. There's no job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so, but you know, <laughs> if you think about it, like, okay, four walls in a place like Kiev yeah. is a lot cheaper than four walls in Manhattan. So, oh heck and yeah! If, if we're all going to be locked down for God knows how long, um, might as well take advantage of it. So just sort yeah. of hunkered <laughs> down and and I love that. Just. Yeah, so it was a it was a kind of surreal. Not wow, kind of, it was yeah. What was it like? Experience. Like you you obviously stayed in your apartment, and then what was that like? I mean, I've been to Kiev, and yeah. just for, just so we say again, I can say this. I'm not going to speak for you, but my heart bleeds for Kiev right now. So yeah. I I hate what's going on over there, and I always every day I wake up with like, please let's stop this war, and it's so interesting because I've been there. I went there with for work with. Um, God, what was that guy's name? Siklum. It's when they were a startup uh, over there and mm-hmm. spent lots of time there. And so here you are two years and knowing, like, what did you do? Was it all closed? It, was it just, you had to stay in your it apartment? Was what was that like? surprisingly open, I think, for most of it. Like, it, it was like, hey, like masks and things like that. But yeah. the, num- <laughs> the numbers in Kiev were really good for a long time. There was a, mm. a surge a little bit later than we saw in other places. Um, you know, they'd closed down the airports for, yeah. gosh, I want to say about a month or two at least. Um, so oh. it was just kind of like, just kind of there. Um, I did some work with a friend who was consulting with like the government over in Georgia, as well as mm-hmm. uh, doing some work with um, uh, Dogpatch Labs up in Dublin, uh, helping them uh, on their presentation for, mm-hmm. uh, the government of Ireland to help run like the national Irish accelerator. So, Oh, that's I, I, cool. Yeah, it was, you are the consigliere for accelerators <laughs> like that. Should... 
Yeah, no, I mean, and I and I kept busy with that stuff. Yeah, uh, and it was really good. So it, that was, but you know, the whole time it was very much like looking for a new role. And yeah, you know, the pandemic when you're overseas, that was a much harder proposition. Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. What, what did you like talk to me? I'm like, well, it's a p- pandemic. You can come back. We'll look at it. I mean, was it feels like there would be not much happening. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, it's all a little bit blurry at this point. <laughs> It's just so many like. Okay, we don't starts. have to go back there. Yeah, we yeah, don't have to go no, back. I mean, there. It, Let's it not go just, back there. Nah. You nah. know, it's it's very interesting because I interviewed a really amazing uh, woman. She I've known her for several years. She was a high tech PR person from Seoul, South Korea, mm-hmm. and and yeah, she was so good at her job. And mm-hmm. she worked um, for Fujitsu. She did a lot of work for them through the yeah. agency she was with. She just was pretty remarkable. And then one day she was like, I'm quitting and I'm getting my PhD and I'm going to be a business consultant, like psychology business consultant. And I was like, Whoa, that's crazy. But anyway, so she was on the show and we were talking and we were talking very similar things like what was happening for you during COVID. She was so dramatic. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm like, we don't have to talk about it, but you know, she actually got that PhD. She had a baby and, you know, it's interesting to see what people did with that time. But I think there's a lot of common denominators of, um, oh, my goodness, is a long time ago. It's a little blurry. I'm going to put it behind me. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It, I, I think that whole time was surreal for everybody. Yeah. It's like it yeah. was not, uh, nothing about it was normal. And, you know. I, yeah, I, nothing. I yeah. Now, even when we talk about like, oh, how long ago was it? I sometimes <laughs> will say like, oh, yeah, it was a, a couple years ago. And then it's like, no, it was six years ago because yeah. there was a period in there for everybody that was. A, you know, not correlated with yeah. normal reality. Yeah, um, that's so, so true. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. And it is, I hate to say, you know, truth is stranger than fiction, but I don't know, in the Marvel movies, it's like, oh, this blip. I'm like, yeah, we're living the blip. Like, we all yeah. blipped. Yeah. We blipped together. 100%. 100%. And it feels so weird. It's so weird. And so you've come back to New York. You're in New York. I don't, we're not going to talk about where you work now, but you work for a very cool company. I don't know if you can, we're not going to yeah, say Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I can it. say I okay. work for okay. NVIDIA. Like, that's. Yeah, woohoo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's such, I'm so in love with this company. Like, I really love them. And you are basically taking all these years of all the things you've done. You've brought this to NVIDIA, right? You're, we won't talk too long about it, but you're packaging up all this work with startups, your consigliere work. And you're bringing that to these people, which I think is great because I love this company. Yeah, no, and and I, I mean, obviously, I, I can't talk about like uh, yeah, we won't talk about positions it. on things or anything like that. You know, <laughs> but but my sort of um, my sort of thought process is that it's great to join and be a part of a company that is very foundational in yeah. a lot of the technology yeah. out there today, and and you know, it is a, a logical extension for me of all right, I've always been in a position since I kind of got into the tech space of supporting startups and founders in whatever way that I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there is something, and that's why the, the consigliere, right? Um, <laughs> I is, love this. Yeah. It's that role of like, okay, if you think about the pyramid of the mob, uh, yeah. startup wise guys, and we leaned into that whole messaging. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you think about that, that pyramid, like the consigliere is, is a part of the organization, but more like a uh, an advisor to yes. to leadership as opposed to like within the the pyramid of power itself. Yes, I love um, that. Yes, I wish I had a sound effect for that, but I don't. Yeah, and <laughs> and like you know that that's I think one of the um, 
one of the things that's great about NVIDIA is it's all about, hey, you're building this cool technology around language models. Like we have mm -hmm. a tool for you that you can use and it's free. We have a tool for you if you're like, oh, I'm building something around computer vision. Or I'm building something around data yeah. science or, you know, crazy sort of out there stuff around um, physics simulation or you know, weird, very specific use cases. Like, oh, you're, you're building something that needs to do route optimization in logistics yeah. we have a tool for that yeah um, you know and it's it's funny how how so many people don't realize all the things nvidia does it's um, so i think that is so yeah. true i mean you, you said a very beautiful word here that i love the reason why i gravitate towards this is that you talked about foundational technology and that's what you're talking about like this root option that you don't even think about root optimization in a fleet of trucks or any any other thing right like and i i love foundational technology and i don't think people understand sort of like 3m right you mm -hmm. okay you kind of know they're what a chemical company they they are engineers and you tell people like oh yeah they invented that adhesive on the piece yeah. of paper that makes yeah. it stick that's foundational i mean i'm making your yeah. here technology no, right like yeah. the scrubby scrubby scrub brush you know the sponges <laughs> with the stuff on the other side like somebody mm -hmm. invented that at 3m it's all science yeah, yeah. It's, fascinating. It's, it's a kind of cool position to be in um <coughs> completely you know, it, I, I think it's great it's real yeah. it's tangible yeah it's it's an amazing um it, it's an amazing like role where you know, <coughs> we're not telling anybody how to build technology we're just being like we know there's amazing builders out there let's help you get that done you know what i mean um so you know i yeah i think that that's that's one of those things where i i i every time i yeah. get to work with all of these incredibly smart people inside of uh nvidia all i think about is like wow we're we're really like at the forefront of all of these things not just one element or another um, yeah and it's 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 awesome to be a part of um, but I, I think yeah. that's, you know, you see, so you've seen a lot, like I did make a joke in the beginning about, yo, no, not another platform. And I, I, I get it, right? People, I get a lot of pitches uh, for Forbes for this. It's like, oh, look, it's a platform. Okay. I, sorry. No, thanks. Because I, I don't feel for me that I'm too interested in about platforms, but I'm really looking at like things that can change the world, pieces mm -hmm. of foundational tech that can change the world. Yeah. And um, I love that. So speaking of foundational technology and um, I have a pop quiz for you. So I know you're very close to technology and I know that obviously you know what's happening out there in the world on social media. What technology is bugging the crap out of you right now? Like, is there any topic around technology that you're just like, <laughs> no more? uh bugging the crap out of me well that's a that's okay of... i talk about this i take it back it could oh. really be something that you're um musing over maybe or you would like to rant over uh well okay so something <laughs> that i i think i i can rant over reasonably is like i've got a rant i love it yeah i mean so i still see things these days um under the the fallen category of web3 or crypto or <laughs> literally anything in that space um, yep. I I am really hoping that we will get to a point where people acknowledge like oh this was all a grift from day <laughs> one I literally every element yeah. of this was just 
people looking at, at systems of power and saying, hey, how can I build something that I can really take advantage of and convince people that there's some sort of like grand positive idea behind this? Uh, I think that's a... The... Um, the problem with crypto goes so deep that it's difficult to capture mm -hmm. in, in like the span of a podcast. But um, <laughs> I, I think that this, this foundational idea stems from this, this libertarian techno utopian ideal mm -hmm. that so many in, in Silicon Valley have, have glommed onto over the years <laughs> that is focused on, Hey, I don't believe that I should be beholden to any system, to any government, to any regulation, to any financial system. I believe that we're we're too smart for that. We're too good for that. We're above that. Mm. Uh, and so we're going to invent a, a system that lives outside of the institutions of society. Yeah. Uh, we, we don't believe that we should be bound by governments. And it's a, uh, there is a, extraordinary darkness that lives at the heart of that belief set um that i totally agree with you yeah. and i do have a sound for that and that's going to be this <laughs> i yeah. so well said i just i could i'm just going to sit back now and put my feet up and let you keep going no I mean, it's, it's there's not honestly a whole lot more to say it's it, you know, you had a bunch of people who saw this tool who, you know, that was obviously created by somebody out there yeah. um, who comes from this belief that like, oh, like, what if I could just not be a part of any of this? Yeah, it's um, so well said. Uh, it's so and, well said. Yeah. And and the um, this idea that it has taken us millennia to develop, for example, financial institutions that people all across a society and, and, and spanning multiple societies and civilizations look at and have the capacity to um, deposit in trust mm. into mm -hmm. yeah, is maybe the entire reason that our civilization exists in the way that it does today. Completely the, agree. The people who want to live outside of that are the people who look at, at these existing systems of power and say, oh, these are unjust, these are unfair, they're inequitable, all of which are true. Right. And it's not that, yeah. that we should yeah. look at the, the global financial system, global capitalism it's... and be like, oh, this is all reasonable. It's yeah. not, obviously. But the, this yeah. is a iterative process that evolves yeah. over over centuries. This is not like I'm unsappy. I'm going to it just all has to change yeah. now because it makes me feel bad. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and also those those it is completely psychotic. It's 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 uh, every time I see a news item about it, I, I get a little upset because I see. You know, very like you said, these liberated techno ideal like Silicon Valley people have glommed. By the way, use the word glommed, so check mark. That's awesome. <laughs> Onto that, and then I read. The more deeper I read, I see, for instance, like Sam Bankman Fried was was bailed yeah. out by Stanford professors. Of like course. the fact that that this is happening in this very tiny subset of extraordinarily wealthy, extraordinarily entitled people that don't want to be a part of that system, and you. What you said is great. It's taken a long time to develop a banking system that people can have trust in. And yeah. that's often been, you know, hard won at times, you know, all the way through decades. So I I agree with you on this and I, I struggle because I'm gonna keep an open mind. But no, it just feels completely wrong. I'm two rants in your corner on that part right there. Yeah. Um, and the the, the, yeah. the sad part is it's not that these people 
are like, oh, we like this is really about democratization of these things because it's at, not. <laughs> at the core it's not. What it's about is these people or these organizations operate in this position of power and I would much prefer to be the king. Right. I I want yeah. to be, you know, I I'm Tim Draper. I want to be the king of California. <laughs> and yeah. and so what we'll do is we'll just carve off the rich parts and and we can declare ourselves sort of mini lords and ladies of, <laughs> of uh, Silicon Valley and without yeah. having to respond to Sacramento or DC or, or any other power that we don't want to. Uh, I think that's a slippery slope though. I, yeah. I think that you, you can look at the world's problems or even just, just not bother and look at what's happening in the U S with yeah. guns and politics and women's rights and people like having these fringe beliefs yep. and saying, well, we'll just like chip ourselves off and do what we want anyway. Yep. So there's a huge fragmentation taking place that I, yes. I do feel like you, like it's, it's going to, it's going to be a lot of trouble down the road. I have always thought about technology. I, I like to step back and think about sort of why do I believe in technology as a, a hmm. tool of sort of freedom for humanity broadly. And, um, you know, ChatGPT is just another tool that potentially has, not potentially, that absolutely has the ability to drive ever greater efficiency in society in ways mm. that ideally, and this is not always going to turn out this way, it's going to be used in in insane <laughs> ways as well. There will be some, some really big, um, like, existential questions around yeah. how we understand our relationship to a thing that per all people's protestations is not alive in any way that like, this is not a thing that where like it has feelings regardless of <laughs> the output that it's giving. That's just a series yeah. of billions of different parameters that end yeah. up at the point of, well, this is how people talk. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't even, it doesn't even say that to itself. It is just yeah. like the percentage of confidence that this is the next word is. X. Yeah. Um, oh, yes. So, you know, we we want to anthropomorphize kind of everything. Um, and, we do. We'd love and, to do that with bears, yes. Yeah, but bears are worth it, right? Because they're, they're Yeah, worth totally it. worth it. Totally um, worth it, right? No, but, you know, I, I, I think that we're going to go through a period of people being, like, shocked and amazed and then be able to sort of step back and be like, okay, yeah, actually, this is just another, in the same way that the internet was is mm. not alive. Um, even though it operates in some ways kind of like a living organism, right, that, that has its ebbs and flows. Yeah. ChatGPT is not alive. And once we have a generation that is used to the forms of interaction that it's going to generate, and it's not just ChatGPT, mm. it's all sort of um, large language models and things like that. Once once we're used to that, um, you're going to have power unleashed in, in every area of society that ideally – has the ability, and this is why I was alluding to like what I think technology should be doing for us as a, as a species earlier, all technology should be a thing that allows human beings to live in the world more naturally. Uh, I don't want to manage my computer. I don't want to mm. sit around, like I think about Salesforce, I don't want to sit around and try and like fight with Salesforce to get it to do what I want to do. I don't want to sit around yeah. and, and be like, why is my email like doing this as opposed to doing this? That's a wildly unnatural way of having a system. Why does Microsoft Word like do this? Like that's not at all what any normal human being would, would do with this. And, exactly. and that I think is the, um, the, the critical piece that if we can train these systems effectively enough and, and the beauty maybe coming down to personalization where if if this just becomes an extension of us as individuals 
where I am, where I have my chat GPT and I'm somebody who I don't necessarily like to do things that other people might enjoy doing. Um, you know, I, I think about like, oh, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to go out every night and, and be partying like a rock star. I'm a much more introverted person than that. But I have yeah. friends who their energy all comes from other human beings. And so their personal chat GPT slash AI slash slash sort of large language model that tries to interact with the world mm. for them is out there and understanding like, hey, I saw this event. You might want to check this out. And so if that personalization element comes in and allows us to be like, hey, I know that you, you're more interested in going to a, um, you know, a movie with two people than yeah. going to a party with 200. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to think about, think is obviously, a, once again, a projected yeah. word. I'm going to um, evaluate <laughs> all the data in the world based on the things that you want, the foods mm -hmm. that you're interested in, the experiences that you're interested in, the people that you're interested in. Uh, and that, to me, is, is where we could see some really amazing things. And that's to say nothing of all of the applications that we'll see in in coding, in art, in, in all of these different areas. So yeah. that, that to me is is the beauty of the endpoint potential. Uh, I, lo I love your I beauty that all tech, that. I, you, all tech should let people or beings live in the world naturally. I love that. And yeah, yeah like this is all going to evolve in ways that you have no conception of. And yeah, I, that okay. that is so that is so true because right now I think we're in a hype cycle and yeah. I I feel like uh, either a meteorite is either going to hit us or has hit us like it's all about Chat GPT yeah. and like the inside of the Earth is like spinning more slowly in the opposite direction. So you read all those stories together, it doesn't sound so good. Like it sounds really bad, but but I think that we're in the middle of something big right now. A lot of yeah. change, like you said, a lot of a lot of lack of real like functional yeah. change going on now and the future is yet to come out of that for sure. Yeah, no, it'll be super fun. And I, I, I think the important thing is to, as opposed to what we always do with technology, so I'm, I'm saying like, don't do the thing that we're always going to end up doing because we're human. <laughs> um, but getting, we're human. Yeah. Getting caught up in like, Oh wow. Like it, it, it has some ridiculous conversation with a reporter. Yeah. People yeah. just, like I said, I think it will take many years for um, organizations like, you know, enterprises, governments, all that, and yeah. individuals to get to a point where, like, I I recognize what this is, and it's just yeah. a tool. Right? That's, that's so, that's, that's such a great way to look. Uh, Chris, it's such a pleasure talking to you. I uh, You have so much good energy, and I love how you just approached your life and just dug in, pivoted, and I am such an honor to have you on the show and I hope that you'll come back again and I hope Absolutely. that you have a great weekend. Okay. Oh, you too. So there's a lot to unpack at that episode with Chris Brown and I'm glad because I think sometimes as consumers, we are just moving at such a rapid pace with technology. We're just getting all these things thrown at us. We're using it maybe without thinking. What does it mean when I have technology in my car? What does it mean when you can buy things with crypto? Like, how does that affect people? How does that affect how you drive, how you shop? And I think that because we're moving at such a fast pace, sometimes it's good to just sit back and think, how is this going to affect me? How is this going to affect the world? Next week on Tiny Little Victories, we have our very first New Zealander, a Kiwi, and uh, his name is Darren Keeler. He is the founder, CEO of Waybeyond, which is a farming technology company. Nope, scratch that. It's a technology company that helps growers and farmers 
um, maximize crop yield, understand what's happening with their crops around the world. And you know, what's so interesting about this person, I could have talked to him all day, is that he had no real background in farming. He had a big legacy background in running companies. And he really learned his way by going out and talking to people about their problems. And he did this during COVID-19, where he had to do this over the phone. So it's interesting to see all the relationships he built in such a short time during a pandemic and has been able to reach so many farmers and so many growers around the world to help them grow better crops. And we are going to have a very lengthy conversation about the tomato. Yes, the cash crop of the fruit slash vegetable world. And we're going to talk about how data and human behavior were able to come together to show people that there was a new market around what a snackable tomato. Yes, a snackable tomato. It's fascinating. And Darren has a lot of stories to tell about how tomatoes are grown in Sinaloa and the things that go on and the things he's been exposed to that have really shown him the passion that farmers and growers have for growing our food. People we forget about a lot, but without them, we would not have access to food. So um, join us next week with Darren Keeler, CEO of Way Beyond, on Tiny Little Victories.